Well, uh, Charlie Brown and Peppermint Patty were talking. I, I don't think that I'm going to start every, every uh, Sermon on the Mount with, with peanuts, but just how it happens, this, this one fits. And uh, they're talking, and Peppermint Patty says to Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I got sent to the principal's office. And furthermore, Charlie Brown, it's your fault. And Charlie Brown said, my fault? Why is it my fault? Why is everything my fault? And Peppermint Patty says to him, well, Charlie Brown, it's the first day of school, and you're my friend, and you should have had a better influence on me. <laughs> now, obviously, Peppermint Patty is trying to get out of responsibility for her own behavior, but she does make a biblical point this morning, as we're going to see in our passage in Matthew. Peppermint Patty is talking about the fact that Charlie Brown should have influenced her better and the fact is, as we're going to see today, we are all influencers, either good or bad. In fact, uh, influencer is actually a, a job title these days. People consider themselves particularly on social media, social media influences. And I was reading about it, and it's interesting. It said that individuals that have either actual or perceived uh, expertise <laughs> can become influencers, and what they are influencing people to do, of course, this is America, uh, they're influencing people to buy things. And so, depending on how many followers you have, you could be, and they often will say, I'm a social media influencer. That's what they put down. The influences that we are to have on the people around us are, in the words of Jesus, both salt and light, or as I've called it this morning, salty light. I quite often pray at the end of our services that we will go out and be the salt and be the light in our worlds. And I wonder sometimes if we really understand truly what that means. I mean, come, let's be honest. Salt and light for us Christians, that's kind of a cliche. Uh, it's one of those things that, uh, that we often call that Christianese. When, we say, when I say that, people outside of the church often don't understand it. Uh, but sadly, sometimes even people inside the church under, don't understand it, or they don't understand it to the point where they're actually doing it. And so if you don't understand it, there's not a whole lot of chance that you're going to be doing it. So this morning, let's understand what Jesus is talking about. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, and we'll pick up where we left off last week as we continue in this series through the book of Matthew that I've entitled, His Kingdom Come. Last week, we began the portion of the book of Matthew called the Sermon on the Mount, and we began with the Beatitudes, and those 12 verses are really describing what God has done on the inside of us. You can, you can listen to the whole message. There's a lot more than that. I filled up 45 minutes with it, so, but uh, you can... But, but when you boil it all down, that's what God, those are the characteristics that God has, has put into us and hopefully are seen in us. And today, it shows, as I said last week, and we're going to see this week, it should have an influence on our outside behavior. It is something that should be seen. So after telling us that we are uh, to be poor in spirit and meek and... Uh, and, and, and uh, 
righteous and all of those things, Jesus then says this, starting in verse 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by people. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Your light must shine before people in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, when we talk about salt and light, and when Jesus talks about salt and light, he's using for them in that day 2,000 years ago, he's using very common metaphors. He's using pictures of things that everyone could identify with, everyone certainly then, and many of us even today. When this was written, in fact, salt was very, very important. In, Roman, in the Roman world, there were very few things that were as valuable as salt, unless you get into precious stones and, and precious metals. Sometimes people, Romans, would even receive their pay in salt. It's where we get that phrase, if you've ever heard it, he's worth his salt, Okay, so it was that valuable. And light was also a very valuable commodity. They, of course, didn't have electricity or flashlights. So when everything was finished, everything was finished, really, when the sun went down, everything got dark. And so, and, and that was really whether you were finished or not. And notice what Jesus doesn't say here. He doesn't say that you are like salt, or you are like light. No, he goes on and says, you are, the, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You see, once God has done that work in you, and we saw that last week, once he has done work inside of you, as the first 12 verses talk about, this then is what you are. This is why I was doing these things in you, and you are this whether you choose to accept it or not whether you choose to live like it or not. And unfortunately, many believers choose to not live like it. And that's what Jesus is getting at here. Salt that isn't salty. Light that is under a basket. Sadly, I believe he's describing many and maybe even most Christians. And my hope and my prayer is that he is not describing us. Or that if he is describing us or you then today can be the day when you repent, when you say, I'm going to go a different direction. I'm going to think differently about this. It's going it's to affect my behavior. I'm going to turn. And, I, and as you allow him, as you allow God to do a work in you, which will then result in you going to your worlds and being who you're supposed to be, salt and like. And so when we hear what Sue did there in Belize, I, I wonder what was your reaction to what she was saying? I, I would hope and pray that it wouldn't just be a reaction of this is what, what, what uh, Sue did, but rather what God are you calling me to do? That's what I'm hoping for, is that that's a challenge. How can I be the salty light here in Moreno Valley or in Belize or in wherever you are? So let's look closer at this. The first thing we see this morning, as we've seen, your influence on your world is salty. <laughs> Again, verse 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. If salt has become tasteless, 
It's not really salt anymore, is it? I mean, not from what we generally think of salt. Salt is, for us anyway, a day-to-day experience. Salt is all about taste. At this time, their salt came from the Dead Sea or salt mines, and it wasn't refined and, and manufactured the way our salt is today. So the salt could lose its flavor, and when that happened, they would throw it out, and they would literally throw it on the streets. It became, you know, a, a way to keep down the dust. And so even to this day, I read that the roads in Israel have unsalty salt being thrown on them. Jesus says it's not good for anything but being thrown out. So that begs the question, what does it mean to be salty? Well, let's look at some of the characteristics of salt and see how that should look in our life. Obviously, salt gives food taste. Most of us don't really go around eating plain salt, right? I know you look in the corrals of horses and they got that big block of salt, the salt lick, they call it. I don't see too many people going up licking that thing because I just don't have enough salt in my diet. But when it's put on food then boy, that is awesome. It releases the flavor of that food. My wife cringes when I do this, but uh, when, I, when she makes me a steak, I eat steak with a salt shaker in one hand and the, and the, the fork in the other. I mean, I cut a piece of steak. I, some of you are nodding, so see, I'm not the only one. <laughs> I cut one piece of steak and I salt it to make sure it's got a salt on it. And mmm, that's a, oh, Jackie, I, I want to talk about dinner tonight. Okay. We'll have some salt and a little steak to go with it, right? <laughs> and what is this saying? I mean, in a, in a metaphorical way, it's saying that as a Christian, I should be adding flavor to the world around me. Too often, I hear people talk about how boring church is. Why would they say that? Because I believe that we've probably lost our saltiness. Steak would be kind of boring to me without the salt, Guys, people around us are hurting. Have you noticed that? People around us, believe it or not, are wanting answers. Stress and depression are at record highs. And here we are. We have the greatest news of all. It's like salt on a steak. (laughs) Yeah, I keep coming back to that. We got to have steak tonight. (laughs) Not only does salt help with the taste of things, salt is also a preservative. It stops decay. In those days, they didn't have refrigeration, and so they would use salt to keep meat and other products from going bad. People, we are the preservative in this society. One of the things we sang this morning talked about that. God has put you and me into this rotting world in order to do what? Complain about it? (laughs) Uh, Argue about it? Be depressed ourselves about it? No, in order to stop the decay with the message of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. Otherwise, what? What's he leaving us here for? We should get saved and go straight to heaven and enjoy everything that, that he's promised us. No, he's left us here for this purpose that we've been singing about today. And that's why we are not to sit by silently while we see this world crumbling around us and either complaining about it or secretly, dare I say, feeling kind of good about it. You know, some of those people, they, they deserve that. It's good. Go get them, God. Man, I, 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 we, we need to speak up. We need to speak up about abortion and racism and gender roles and all the, the multitude of other issues that are out there that, that, frankly, people are telling us, you need to keep your mouths shut, but we dare not. 
because we are here to preserve this society. It's like the old saying, the only thing necessary for evil to flourish is for good people to do and to say nothing. And the only way to be salt in this world is to be out there in that world, in the decay. So are you connected to your communities? Are you praying for the people in your world and looking for opportunities to speak into their lives, to be that, that influencer in their life? Are you looking? We're coming up into the Easter season, a time of year when n numbers of people who don't attend church and yet say, I would have gone to church on Easter if somebody would just have invited me. That's, that's about as little salt as you can possibly get in a person's life. We're not talking about going up and saying, excuse me, do you realize you're, you're dying and going to hell, a Christless eternity of fire? I mean, you're not, I'm not asking you to go do that. I'm asking you to just say, my church is having a service on Easter Sunday. Would you like to come with me? And apparently, the vast majority of people say they would say yes to that. If they know you and you're praying for them and the Holy Spirit is involved in the whole thing, we dare not do otherwise. One more thing about salt, it makes people thirsty, right? What is, I, I am convinced the saltiest thing on earth is movie popcorn. And you know why they put so much salt on it? So you'll buy the $10 soda pop that they give you in the, in the shot glass, okay? <laughs> salt makes you thirsty, my mentor, Coach Logan, used to talk about uh, when, you, when you give messages, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink unless you put salt in his oats, okay? And then, so a, a technique he taught us boys who were learning how to preach was salt the oats. Say something that gets people interested. You saw me do it a couple of weeks ago. Remember the day I gave out puzzle pieces and I said... Uh, we'll, I'll let you see what this picture looks like later. And then I preached the entire message, and it wasn't until I came up at the very end of the service that I finally put the picture up for you. But I had people telling me, I was listening to you that whole service waiting for you to tell me what this darn puzzle piece is a picture of. <laughs> and I salted the oats. Yeah, they, they had to listen to everything so they don't miss what they think they want to hear. People, we are the salt in the oats. God put you here. He put you in your neighborhood. He put you in your school. He put you with your friends. He put you uh, out, out there getting your car serviced or going to the store to make people thirsty for Jesus. Look how the apostle Paul puts it in Colossians 4, 6. He says, your speech must always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. People are individuals. Listen to them. That's why we treat people this way. As, as Paul says, with grace, not condemning them. To be, to be graceful to somebody is to give them something they don't deserve. Maybe they're not treating you well. Maybe what they really deserve is to have you talk back to them the same way they're talking to you. But our, our Bible tells us that we are to approach people like Jesus would with grace. Salt is a seasoning, it's a preservative, it makes people thirsty. In each case, think about it, the salt has to be on something. You can't stay in the salt shaker and be of any good. 
And it's the same for us, people. We need to get out there. We need to spend time with those people in our worlds. And you might say, well, my friends are all Christians. Well, then you need to get some more friends. <laughs> you need to start, you know, Jackie and I have done that. I went, I went square dancing for how many months in order to be around people that, that were not Christians? I, right now, I'm, I'm exercising five days a week. My world is in a gym in Moreno Valley. And I'm starting to meet some of these guys. And we're starting to talk and I'm starting to rub off on them. I might be a little salty there. They, they're salty too, but in a whole different way. <laughs> Today is Super Sunday. You know why, right? There's a, I think there's a football game on later on. And, and as part of that football game, there is a ministry uh, that has produced uh, two commercials that are going to play during the Super Bowl today. And so I would encourage you to be on the alert for those. I, I have a, a version of one, but I'm not, I was going to play it, but I'm not right now. We'll put it up at the end of the service. To give you an example, it's called He Gets Us, and it's about Jesus. And this ministry spent uh, upwards of a billion dollars to produce these things. Yeah, the owners of Hobby Lobby are big supporters of this. And, but there's been controversy, you know, we Christians, we love it. Uh, I, I know when I was a Baptist, we used to say, if there's three Baptists, there's four opinions, you know, that kind of a thing. But I would say this, no matter how you feel about that, it's Jesus at the Super Bowl. So if you're there at the Super Bowl party and you happen to be watching the commercials and that one comes up, you've got a platform right now. Listen to what people are saying. Listen to what those who don't know Christ, what, what they say about that. React to that. Respond to that. Use those opportunities. But Jesus didn't stop with salt, did he? He also says your influence is also light. And throughout the Bible, we see light associated with truth, with grace, with the activity of God. Jesus literally says he is light. In John 8, 12, Jesus said, he spoke to them and he said, I am the light, I am the light of the world. And the one who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And guess what? This is exciting. When we become Christians and when Christ is in us, guess who's the light now? Here's how the Apostle Paul puts it. He says in Ephesians 5, See that no one deceives you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the world. And so walk as children of light. We are the light as Jesus said at the beginning of this passage today. And look at what Jesus says here in Matthew. He's pretty emphatic in our passage today. Verse 14, he says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand it gives light to all who are in the house. He gives a couple of examples of light. First, it's a city on a hill. Cities back in those days in the Middle East, and in particular that area, the cities were, in fact, built on hills. And so at nighttime, you could see them because when they lit that city up, you know, that's where I live, and that's the town next to us, and that one over there. So you were seen. You were visible. I read that even in the daytime, since limestone was a popular building material in those days, their houses would literally glow in the sunlight. And so it was difficult to miss a city either in the daytime or in the nighttime. The second example he gives of, of the characteristics of light that we should see in our lives is that uh, a light in a house. 
And, and if you put a light in a house, you soon find out that the higher up you put the light, that's why they're usually sticking out of the ceiling. We've got them up there, you know, we, we didn't put lights down there. We've got them up there in the top of the building because that's what lights up the entire room. And as people uh, gather around that light, they, they sit with their backs to the darkness and they look into the light. So when Jesus said here, put it under a basket, it must have seemed ridiculous to them. I mean, that was crazy. Who, who has light and, and then puts it under a basket? And yet Jesus's point here was that if you are not functioning as light in this dark world, you are doing just that. It's kind of crazy. And so how does light function? Well, it's pretty obvious, uh, right? I mean, light removes darkness. My dad had a, f a famous phrase that he would use all the time, and it's one of those things that your dad says, and you kind of roll your eyes. And then surprise, surprise, I said the very same thing to my son, and he rolled his eyes. <laughs> but when I would talk about how dark it is, my dad would get all scientific nerd on me, and he would say, oh, son, there is no darkness. There is only the absence of light. Now, I've always thought of that as, yeah, that's that thing my dad says. And I guess scientifically speaking, that's true. But I was thinking about it just this morning. It's true spiritually as well. There is darkness if there is an absence of light. And who is the light? Jesus and us. And so I am the one, we are those who disperse the, the darkness in our room, in our, in our lives. So if I am the light then it's my responsibility to reveal the truth. When it comes to understanding God, you see, most people are in the dark. And if I know him, I have the privilege of revealing him. And how do I do that? As Jesus told us last week, as I am poor in spirit, as I am merciful, as I am meek, as I hunger for righteousness, and you can go on and on through all of those eight different characteristics. Light also, we see, guides us. When I walk down, I've mentioned before, when I walk down the dark halls of the church, it's the little red light in the corner that guides me. It may only be like a little pinprick, but it's enough. It, it, sent, it shows me where I am to go so that I won't stumble and fall. Well, guess what our light is? God's word. Psalm 119.105 famously says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. When Jesus says that we are the light of the world, it means that I have the ability to disperse darkness. I have the ability to guide others. How? Oftentimes by the way I live and of course by the things I say. And when I am really living like this, Many times I won't even have to go and grab somebody because it would be something they would see in me and possibly even something that they would want. People sometimes say, how come good people go through bad things? Why do bad things happen to good people? My first answer to that is, who are these good people you're talking about? I, I don't see in Scripture where there are any good people. But, you know, nevertheless, as Christians, we say, I've devoted myself to God. Why do bad things happen to me? Here's a reason why bad things happen to you. So that when you respond to the bad thing that's happening to you, and when you respond in a biblical light salt way, the people who are going through that without Christ, who have no hope, who have nothing to turn to, look at you and immediately see a difference in you. You are not responding to this bad situation you're in in the way I would respond. What is it about you? Peter talks about that. 
And if they see the light in me, removing darkness and guiding me, they'll often want that for, for themselves. I remember uh, Sue mentioned that we served together many, many years ago in a ministry called Royal Servants. And one of the things we would do is we would send teenagers out to share their faith. And they would use gospel tracts. And they would explain the gospel, much like we do here. And then at the end, it would say, would you like to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior? And, and for the most part, they're kind of reading their way through it. And they would get to the end, and I saw this so many times, it's kind of funny. And they would say, and so after hearing all this, would you like to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior? And quite often, the people would say, yes. Yes, <laughs> they had people grab the book away from them. And it wasn't unusual for the kid to say, really? <laughs> like, like, it worked. <laughs> oh, wow, you know. And, and I, I would constantly remind them, this is the Holy Spirit doing a work, okay? I mean, I know you may think you're a salesman here, and you're trying to make the best presentation ever. But the fact is, it's, like, it's God is calling these people to himself. Otherwise, we have reason to go around and feel really proud of ourselves. Look at how many people I got saved today. Trust me, guys, if I got you saved today, uh, you ain't saved, <laughs> okay? It's the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus Christ that is doing that. And the difference, what did Jesus say here? We shouldn't be surprised that, that people want it. In verse 16, your light must shine before people in such a way that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, the difference in our life should be so obvious. And if we're walking with the Lord, guys, that won't be a, that difficult a thing to do. Because again, People around us are stressed and worried and depressed. And as I allow Christ to live in me and through me, I will naturally be different. I will be excited to some degree. I'll be happy. Our lives, as Jesus says, will be abundant. John 10, 10. And when people see that difference, trust me, I know from experience, they're going to want to know. I hear stories of people every week where they say they want to know, why are you so excited? Why, with all that's going on in our country right now, with all that's happening, how can you be positive about things? The Bible promises this as well. In 1 Peter 3.15, what does he say? But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who does what? Who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, but with gentleness and respect. Do you have hope this morning? If not, like he says there, sanctify Christ in your heart. In other words, make him the Lord of your life. Make him number one in your life. Turn everything over to him. And I hope you're asking this question right now. How do we do this? How do I become salty light? Or better yet, since you are salt and light, according to Jesus, how do I become salty-er and bright-er? I think it's obvious from this passage this morning, we need to be different from those around us. We need to be different from those that we are influencing. I, I was going to say those we want to influence, but again, we're influencing them whether it's for good or not. I can't be bland salt. Ugh. I can't be a dull light. Uh, we got a lot of those. That, what do they say? What are flashlights? They're receptacles for dead batteries, right? That, that's what they are in my house. And I can't be that 
If I really want to have an impact on the people in my world, the only way to truly be salty light is to present yourself to God and allow Him to do a work in you. And the spiritual disciplines that we talk about are vital for this. We need to pray. We need to get into the Word of God. And we need to, even more, allow the Word of God to get into us and to make us different. And then we take the salt and we take the light where it's needed, where we are. We have to get out there, as I said before, in order to have the influence uh, on the people that God has placed in our worlds. And in case you haven't noticed, guys, they're not all that interested in church. I mean, think about it. Are you interested in things that you have no part of? Are you interested in going to the temple? Are you interested in going to the meeting house or the PTA or the city council? I mean, if it's not something that you're a part of, you're not really that interested. And so it doesn't really work to say, come to church, come to church. Most people today are like, what do I want to go there for? It's like me saying, come to a PTA meeting. Uh, no, thank you. I'm not really a part of that. Nothing against PTA. It's just not my cup of tea. I have to invite them into my life. And I need to look for ways to enter their lives. And how do we do that? We pray. We ask God how. That's what the cards are telling us to do. And I hope you're saying this morning, Willie, I want to do that. And maybe even admitting that I'm a little scared about doing that, though. I'm a little reticent because I, I wonder, maybe I don't know enough. Maybe they ask me a question I won't know the answer to. You know the number one answer I give to people when people ask me questions? I don't know. I say it all the time. Uh, you know, I mean, what am I going to do? Make up an answer? No, I say, I don't know. But guess what? I know someone who does, or I, got, I can get into the Word of God, and let's find that answer together. There's nothing wrong with not knowing. Basically, the people around you don't really expect you to know it all. If you do, you're probably kind of suspect. They probably start thinking you are making a few things up. I've... Uh, taught evangelism over the years, and one of the things that I've taught regularly is the three reasons that people do not share their faith, the three reasons that they are not willing to become, as we say today, salty light. And as I always say, there's two of these reasons that I can do something about in your life, and there's one I can't. The first reason is this, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to be salty light. I don't want to go to my world. I don't want to share with them. You may say that, and you may have heard Sue today and say, well, that's nice for her, but it's not all that personal for you. You have no desire to make changes in your life. You have no desire to have God make any changes in your life. And guess what, guys? I cannot personally do anything about that. I can't make you want it. That's only something that God's Spirit can do. And if you really don't want to, I, I don't say this lightly, but maybe you need to question whether God's Spirit is in you. Okay? I mean, it's, it's true. You could have backslidden. You could have walked away so far that you have no desire to be obedient to God and His Word. But it's also possible that maybe God is not, maybe the Lord is not your Savior. Paul talks about, you know, testing yourself and make sure you pass the test of knowing Christ as Savior. Here's the thing that I can and will be doing for you, though. I've shared this with many people over the years. I'll be praying for you. And they say, thank you, until they hear what I'm praying for. I'm praying that your frustration and your stress will become so great that you will do anything to get rid of it, even turning to Christ and giving him everything. 
Because if you are, uh, if you are holding Jesus at arm's length, you are stressed, you are frustrated. And why is that? Because you're not fulfilling your purpose. You're not, you're not doing what is the reason we are here, to be salt and light. The second reason that people are not salty light is they're afraid. I'm afraid to. I'm afraid to do that. Well, I can do something about that. In fact, it's a relatively easy fix. <laughs> Just do it. You say, well, I mean, think about it. How many things in your life were you afraid of? Can you remember when you started, for instance, learning to drive a car? It was probably pretty scary. You know, this, this, this two-ton thing or whatever that I'm, I'm, I'm going to be pushing down the road. This is scary, but what did you do? Did that mean I'm never going to drive? No, you just did it anyway. And after a while, it became okay. And the more you did it, the easier it becomes. We see Jesus doing this with his disciples as you read through the, the Gospels. We see how he would do ministry and let them watch him. And then eventually, uh, like in Luke 10, he just sends the 72 out. And they have experiences and they come back all excited because they found out, you know, it wasn't that bad. In fact, it was pretty exciting. The third reason the people aren't salty light is they don't know how to. And that's why we have these things here. It's a plan for how to be the light and the salt in our worlds. And, and you go through and you, you follow the five steps that we outline there. And, and beyond that, we can teach you. Like I say, I've taught many people how to share their faith. It's why week after week after week, you hear me talk about the ABCs, right? And, and what's that for? Well, that's so people that are here can get saved. Well, yeah, that's part of it. But it's also so that you will see a plan for sharing your faith. It came out of a time when somebody called me up a few years ago and said, Pastor Willie, my neighbor wants to get saved. And I said, well, praise the Lord. Great. And he says, yeah, can you come over? <laughs> And I said, well, you can do this. And they're like, no, 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 I don't. And after that, I thought, okay, I need to show our church how to do this. And it's as simple as A, B, C. A, you admit your need of a Savior. Or if you're a Christian, you admit your need to make him the Lord of your life. B, you believe that Jesus Christ is the only acceptable sacrifice for our sins. And C, you make a choice to follow him and to make him Lord of your life. And a key aspect of all of this, guys, is we're in this together. We are here to encourage each other as we go to our worlds. Let me give you some takeaways this morning. The first one, as I read this passage, I ask myself, how do I influence my world? Because again, it's not a question of whether you're influencing your world. You are. They are being influenced by you. We are influencers. So how is, what's happening as a result of my being in my world? Number two, am I willing to shine for Jesus? Am I really willing to step out into that scary place sometimes and say the thing that needs to be said or be the person that I need to be? And number three, Third thing I ask, what do people really see in me? Do I, as I examine my life, what is really there? Maybe I need to make some, uh, some changes in my life. Maybe I need to be the one uh, to, uh, to decide that I'm going to live differently for the sake of those people that are in my world. What did Jesus say? Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and then glorify your Father who is in heaven. 
Let's hope that the peppermint patties in my world are not going to one day say to me, you're my friend, aren't you, Willie? You should have been a better influence on me. I don't know about you, but that, ugh, I would hate to think that someone's going to say that to me someday. And through the power of Christ, working in me and through me and all of us, it won't be. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word to us today. I thank you for this challenge that your word gives us. And I praise you, Lord, that as much as you challenge us, as convicting as the Sermon on the Mount can be, Lord, you've not left us alone. You have empowered us to live out exactly what you're telling us to do. And I thank you and I praise you for that. And I pray that this week, Lord, you can bring the people in my world under my influence and it'll be a positive influence. I pray that for every one of us here today and we'll give you the praise and the glory for all that results. For it's in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.